Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Today we have a full complement of the 3MA hands. Uh, first, we've got 3MA founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello, hello. We also welcome our elite irregular panelist, Bruce Garrick. Meow. What? Just going with it. And finally, <laughs> we welcome back uh, our friend, Charter 3MA panelist, and Quarter to Three blogger, Tom Chick. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm, I'm really disturbed at Bruce's intro. I don't know what to make of that. Well, and, and the pre-show too. There's 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 some weirdness going on. Like this, like I'm kind of wondering what's going on with Bruce today. I don't know. It's, I guess I just uh, you know, it's, it's Saigon. I'm still in Saigon. Every time I wake up, I think I'm back in the jungle. Like Bruce showed up for the Bruce. Bruce is having flashbacks to the Vietnam '65 show. He still he still thinks he's an Ia Drang. <laughs> Hey, that's uh, 25 years this, uh, no, t- that's 50 years this year, 25 years since uh, GMT's Eadrang uh, game. I, I, like that you're, I like that you also commemorate the anniversaries of the board games yeah. about wars. Well, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's dedication. That's, that's, that's a good one to commemorate. I, I yeah. think that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, today we're going to be talking about the Aristocrats' new war game, Order Battle Pacific, published by Slytherin. Uh, it's a very, very traditional turn-based war game set in the Pacific Theater of World War II, uh, operating in the vein of the Panzer General series. Uh, Troy, I actually wanted to start with you, because mm-hmm. I think you and I followed a similar arc with this game. Uh, I wasn't really that excited to dive into Order of Battle because it really did look derivative and repetitious, uh, you know, at first glance. And I ended up getting uh, completely hooked. So, uh, you know, let's let's talk about that arc a little bit. What put you off about Order of Battle at first, and uh, how did it win you over? Well, what put me off is it does look, as we've said, as you said in the intro, just like Panzer General. And you go through the manual, and it doesn't you know, do a lot to disabuse you of those notions. Now, we've talked about Panzer General and Panzer Corps on the show, and we're not the biggest fans, uh, you and I, of that series, because it, so many of the missions and maps turned into, you know, slogs and puzzle solving and hitting hard points, and it feels very, very little like a war. You have scenarios which don't, you can bring equipment from one to the next, but there's not a lot of connection. The battles are tend to all be the same, um, no matter what uh, the scenario is. So the, the idea of just moving that model to the Pacific Theater is, you know, kind of, eh, why am I doing this? Uh, but then you told me I had to play it. You said, look, you've got to check this out. Um, and when you, get, when you get excited about something that I'm not excited about, generally that's a good sign unless it's a hockey team, in which case we're all going to be doomed because we're cursed. Um, so... Here I was playing it, and the, the tutorial's pretty good, pretty straightforward. And then it's it's a lot of the little things, and it's amazing how the little things pushed me in the direction of, if not you know, complete falling in love. Just there is something going on here. These people had thought about the model, thought about the Pacific Theater, and thought about how to take the basics of the Panzer General type games, because clearly this does is inspired by them and push it in interesting ways. For example, having making supply um, really a vital and important part of keeping your troops um, viable. Having making amphibious landings not not just showing up with the troops already there, but you have to engineer the landing and protect the landing uh, through, as you mentioned in your review, the tried and true rise of nations method of just make every guy his own boat. Which I think is a great, simple way of uh, eradicating the micromanagement. And the scenario design is really quite well done. Now, we could talk a bit about later, you know, the naval battles and how this game fits into the general problem with how do you make naval war on itself interesting. But the differences between um, the naval and air battles and the island hopping and the strategic retreats in the Philippines uh, on the American side show quite a bit of appreciation, I think, for what makes these battles different, but also within the same system. Um, so I put I put quite a few hours into this, mostly on the American campaign, a little bit in the Japanese campaign, and I guess I was kind of impressed with what they've done with really a quite simple and familiar model, and yet still made it feel quite fresh to me. Now, um, 
Bruce and Tom, I'm, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to loop you guys into this as well, because in my, like, in my view, and I, I don't, I don't quite have the wargaming strategy, uh, gaming background that you guys do, but to me, uh, the Pacific has always seemed like uh, a little bit of a forgotten war, but also it seems like it poses some challenges to designing a good game about it, and I, I'm kind of curious, like, uh, like why do you, why do you think the Pacific Theater doesn't have sort of as many uh, like iconic games, and do you think that Order of Battle Pacific ends up uh, capturing anything in like important about that about that conflict? I think I yeah I hate hearing the Pacific uh, referred to as a forgotten theater because I. I... I mean, I, I am so sick of Eurocentric World War II war games. If I never set foot on Normandy Beach or France again, that's fine with me. Um, so I, I love when games attempt something in the Pacific Theater, North Africa, something like that. Uh, however, and um, I actually wanted Bruce to go first because I was hoping to out him, but I've mm. put my foot in it, so I'll, I'll be going yeah. first. Um, I, I don't think this captures much about the Pacific Theater at all. Um, I... I will say, however, I loved this game the first three or four times I played it, starting with Panzer General, and then later with Fantasy General, and I think there's a Space General, uh, there's a Warhammer version of this game. Um, I, I, this, I, and as I'm playing this, I don't get the least, I mean, there's, there's certainly a Pacific Theater sheet draped over it, but as far as the mechanics... Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm playing anything related to the Pacific Theater so much as I'm just playing another iteration of Panzer General. Um, so I, I I hate hearing the Pacific Theater described as forgotten. I love visiting it, and I feel that this game doesn't really do it justice. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I if we can just derail for one second, what does this have to do with the Aristocats? You know, I've been I've been on the verge of making that joke this entire show, and I'm so glad you finally did. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, naming your studio the Aristocrats, I just immediately started, I think about that damn movie. Yeah. That's a great movie, by the way. It really is. We should all watch it sometime. Nobody has seen the Aristocats who's under 50 years old. Wait, wait, the Aristocats? Isn't that a cartoon about cats? It is. Yeah. It is indeed. It's, 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 it's basically a summary of the internet. What? I, when I think of the Aristocats... Wait, wait what? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Anyway. Game. Um. So, yeah, I don't know about this thing. I mean... So, first of all, I think there's a very simple reason that the Pacific uh, is sort of not well portrayed in war games is that there's no land in it. So, yeah, you know, boats and you, planes are awesome, Bruce. Right, and it's even they're even better when you fly over a boat and then just hit the attack button for like five turns until it sinks. That's one of my big problems with this game. Um, I guess you know, like Tom said, this has been done before where you have. Um, where you have units that are, uh, you know, have a number on them, and that's how strong they are, and then they have, you know, I mean, the game, to, to, to its credit, it tries to do a lot of things like, you know, there's, there's unit efficiency, um, there's, uh, like Tom said, supply, you know, you have certain units that assault uh, that are you know better against fortification. I mean, it's all this stuff, but but it's not. That's not in any way new or really even particularly interesting. Um, Unless you sort of get it to to play in a way that is somehow new, and I didn't feel that it really did. My problem, yeah, yeah my problem with the game is, you know, first of all, um, I feel like trying to trying to do all this extra tactical stuff and 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 then marry it to one of these, you know. Uh, this guy can move these many hexes, and you know he has seven guys. Oh no, he has six. Oh, he has five guys now. Um, it's kind of a, a mismarriage of of mechanics. And uh, and the second thing is, if you really want to play this game, go get it in in the original form, which is Talonsoft's Rising Sun, because a lot of this stuff is just like Rising Sun, only they've simplified stuff that I don't think needed to be simplified. And then a lot of the mechanics are really ugly when they try to to um, combine sort of the air and land uh, aspects. Um, and, and as Troy said, you know the scenario design is it's interesting. You know, have the the you know the Philippine thing where you have to capture things in so many turns. Um, 
you know, b- before the Americans can fall back and sort of the the longer you take, the stronger, you know, the defense gets and the more planes get to take off and you have to, you know, destroy the airfield or mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. I mean, that that's all OK. And, you know, it's fine, but it doesn't there's nothing about it that, you know, makes me sit up and go, oh, gosh, I really need to play this game. And, um, you know, it, it really does. It, it, it like Tom said, doesn't really capture anything about the Pacific. I don't think I mean, it feels like this could just be I mean, this could be like. Bailey's pocket, except with, you know, the, the trees are all sort of palm tree-like. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really get anything out of it that is particularly Pacific. I mean, do you guys? Well, I want to, because I, I, don't, I don't want Bruce and I to just sit here and sort of naysay this, because I want to hear more from, from Troy about why he likes it. And Rob, I didn't know you'd reviewed it. I wished we'd known, because uh, I would have liked to have read your review, but I'm assuming you liked it as well. Um, I liked it quite a bit, yeah. But I want to do an exercise with you guys first. Um, yes. I want you guys to tell me... When you think of the Pacific Theater, what comes to mind? And is that in this game? Because I have a list here. I was like, okay, what things for me define the Pacific Theater of World War II? You know, what are the, uh, what? Spiders. No, not spiders. What are, coconuts and spiders. Okay, those are not modeled in the game, so I will grant you that. Those are not in... War crimes. <laughs> no, that, that's also, that's also uh, uh, European theater, Rob. That's mm. not at all <laughs> unique to the Pacific Theater. Um mm. But seriously, like, what things do you think of? For instance, I'll, I'll, I'll start first. Go ahead. Um, the, the, the cat and mouse for, between carrier battles, mm-hmm. like, during the carrier battles, you didn't know where the other fleet was. There was a lot of recon stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think of SSG's uh, Carriers at War game and how they tried to model that. Uh, here, there's nothing like that. I mean, there are big naval maps, and you have to figure out where's the other guy's carrier. Um, but it's always, you know, it's, all, it's always going to be bounded in a square map. Um, like, I didn't think there was any of that cat and mouse about where the carrier is. Not in any, you know, it was in no way different from finding any other victory point or whatever Mm -hmm. with fog of war. Um, so I felt that's, that's a huge defining thing of the Pacific theater. It's not really in this game. Uh, Troy mentioned island hopping and I'll, I'll, I'd like to talk about that. There are certainly scenarios where you have different islands that you, that you land on, but the actual island hopping in the Pacific um, was largely contingent on things like the the, the range of airfields um, and supply lines and stuff like that. Uh, here, the island hopping was capture this island, um, you know, bring your dudes, uh, uh, everyone back on the transport, go capture the next. Right, one. right, exactly. Uh, and it yeah. didn't it didn't really. They were masses of land to be sure, but it didn't really capture what makes island hopping part of the Pacific theater in, in my imagination, at least. Uh, right. So what are some other things that you guys think of when you think of the Pacific Theater? And well, are they I want to address a little bit. I, mean, I want to address those a okay, little sure. bit because I'm wondering if you're not asking for strategic military considerations of what is a tactical scenario-based war game. Sure. Oh, I, ab- I absolutely am. In which case, it's not what that's – I mean, I guess it's kind of like asking for, you know, hedge, hedgerow clearing in Hearts of Iron. Well, they have uh, – they have um... – this whole, I think, the whole point of this game, and it's certainly the way that it's packaged, the way it's sold, is you play it as a campaign. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And what they do is they they sort of tease you with these little ideas that if you do or don't do this objective, we're going to use that to model strategic considerations. You know, they're trying to model strategic considerations of the Pacific Theater, right? Uh, and 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 they're also doing, you know. They're, they're, they're making you play a little mini game with the cat and mouse with the carrier, like, you know, plenty of scenarios. Hey, where's this carrier? Oh, it's in the upper right-hand corner. Big deal. Like, <laughs> um, you know, that's where the scenario designer put it, and it's where it'll always be. Um, you know, in the same toy, you mentioned island hopping, and I just don't feel that that's island hopping in any meaningful sense when I think of the Pacific Theater. Um, uh, that, I, that I don't know about. Like, I, I think less island hopping and more like... Island landing. Yeah, that's that's right. maybe the more important part. The idea that you'll have these sort of multiple, like non-contiguous fronts, right? As, as you begin sort of landing at different locations on these on these land masses, and I think that's kind of what it gets across. You you do a bit of the um, you do a bit of the thing where um, you know you'll you'll have you, you'll be bottled up at one landing. You'll load some troops back on transports, roll out, and try to sort of do an end run around a position like there's a little bit of that and that that kind of stuff i actually really like so let's okay so go ahead i'm sorry troy you got some more to say i mean i I mean if if you want to like scenario based stuff that i think is 
I mean, like the landings themselves, the trying to protect the beach when there's a fortified position, trying to assault fortified positions, um, you know, trying to do the end runs around um, victory points because you can't get there from here because you chose a bad landing spot. Now, maybe that's not necessarily Pacific theory. You could say the same thing about Sicily. You could right, say the right. same thing about Gallipoli, for God's sakes. But, I mean, um, you're not going to find a cat and mouse carrier hunting game in a scenario a bunch of chain scenarios but they have carrier, okay, battles. This well, carrier battles in the okay. game they're, they're carrier battles, well, and, and carrier battles kind of sucked yeah. like well, that, yes. that's something I, that's something i mentioned is that this game sure. to me has a sweet spot and occasionally it goes outside that sweet spot because it's like well right. we're doing pacific so i guess we gotta do midway guys and it's like your your obligatory midway scenario um, and the decision and the the, the 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 assumption is they've already found the carriers and they're in this area this right. is a you know, the assumption is you found the carriers and they're in this area instead of they're somewhere out there in the ocean. And that's a very different, I think, kind of war game than um, what this war game is. The, there are some scenarios. The, just, I'm sorry, 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 I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah. there are some scenarios where I, I, I think there there is a bit of cat and mouse, not necessarily with carriers, uh, but like yeah. you run into like late golf scenarios where you don't know where the heavy ships are. Um, no. And you start fanning out, and like so, there's an early Japanese scenario. Um, Bruce, help me out because I actually don't remember. Have it's one of the, one of the early early major landings against uh, British held uh, islands in the Pacific. The Singapore, um, yeah, it's Singapore, but yeah. they didn't call it Singapore back then, did like, they? Of course they did. Really? It's I, I feel like I feel like they, 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 the British had some weird colonial name for like like Malay. Well, Malaya was was yeah. Malaysia. Okay, uh, but there, there's an early scenario where, you, where you're trying to the you're basically Peninsula. doing escort. You're, you're doing an escort mission basically to get some transports uh, across a body of water, and you don't know where the main uh, British and Dutch fleet is is lurking. It's out there somewhere. Um, and so one of the things that happened to me in that scenario is I started started, started fanning out and trying to figure out like where they'd be. And they actually got to engage half my fleet. Uh, they, they basically engaged me in detail, right? Like I guessed wrong, and it sort of turned into one of those situations where suddenly I had a bunch of destroyers engaging cruisers and battleships, and it turned into a real bloodbath. And I actually liked that quite a bit because it was one of the scenarios where, like, oh god, I just I guessed wrong. I I, I gambled. I, I threw my battleships where I thought they'd be, and now I'm just getting massacred. That kind of stuff does happen. I do think that counts a little bit as a cat and mouse on the high seas situation. I would I would agree with you, Rob, if I didn't feel like it was all part of the puzzliness of the scenarios. Like, I kind of feel like, and this is certainly true of Panzer General, um, I feel that one of the design aspects that's unfortunate that's been carried through these games is that you basically play a scenario once to figure it out, and then you play it a second time to solve it. Um, and when you're trying to, you know, you talk about stumbling into where the battleships are, well, yeah, that's you figuring out the scenario. You then go back and play a second time, and you solve it, and you don't do that because you know they're there. Especially with the way that you have the uh, the purchasing of the units, right? That you can, mm -hmm. you know, you play it the first time, and then the second time you're like, oh, I needed about three more artillery units, and I could have done this. So then, you know, you just go buy the artillery units, and then you play it again. Um, if, if I could just jump in and say something about, you know, because I think it, it speaks to what Tom is talking about with this whole strategic layer and why he should be a strategic layer. The thing that doesn't work with... Uh, Pacific games or, you know, with, when you try to depict the Pacific is that they're just these these random islands, right? I mean, why the, why the hell would anybody land on Peleliu, right? I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Tinian, I mean, these are, these are tiny little islands. And the point of it is that, you know, the, all of the land combat in the Pacific was sort of completely tied to the idea of as, as Tom had mentioned before, supply and who you can supply and for how long and from where, right? And that's why the game War in the Pacific is, is so tedious because what it, I mean, well, for some people it's not, but for me, I found it tedious because the game really is not a game about, uh, it's actually a really good game about the Pacific, but it's not a game about fighting things. It's a game about building up your supply in places that it needs to be so that you can take the next place. And so you spend about, you know, 50 turns building your supply and about five turns taking a place. And then, but it's, but it's very, it's not like you can just go through it and, 
and uh, you know, sort of breeze through 50 turns. You have to very carefully plan all these stockpiles, which is exactly how the Pacific was. You know, nobody uh, Henderson Field on Guadalcanal was important for a very specific reason because of where Rabaul was and where New Guinea was and what the ranges of aircraft were, and so all of those carrier battles around the uh, you know in the Solomon Islands were there for a reason because. The ships were naturally drawn there because of the the specific, you know, targets and, and, and objectives that were in that area that as they related to, you know, the supply line from the United States to Australia and sort of building, uh, you know, a, a front of air bases that could reach the Japanese home islands. And none of that makes any sense unless you see a big map and you know because the the whole you know there's some really really good books about um why the uh why there was a two-pronged american uh drive through the pacific why they had to go through the south pacific and the central pacific and the reason basically was that the army and navy hated each other so both of them had to do something uh and so you know the the army and 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 uh, macarthur decided they wanted to go through for the philippines the navy wanted to go through the central pacific but um but none of that really makes any difference if you just have some island sitting there and then a bunch of people land on it. And a lot of those, you know, like Guadalcanal was a, uh, was a horrible, I mean, just a horrific uh, battleground where, you know, people died in terrible conditions, but it did have some really defining characteristics. One of which was that there was a lot of jungle and it wasn't very easy to see people. And so that you know, you didn't have battles in the jungle. You had the, the battles at the at the edge, the interface between the jungle and whatever target was there. So unlike in Europe, where you're kind of like going down the road and you have this fluid front, there's just, in, in the Pacific, there's just a target. There's a guy sitting somewhere, which is why I don't think that, that the fog of war here really works very well. Because like, well, I know where the guys are going to be. They're going to be at Henderson Field because that's what we're attacking. So if you're going to do it in some way, you have to do it so that it's it's a much more tactical battle than it is in this game. Okay, so that's that part. And then when I think of the Pacific, I think of Banzai. And guess what? That's in the game. And that's one of those things that, you know, you can get Bushido code or Banzai as, you know, these 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 sort of abilities that you build up. So so those things are depicted in in uh, in um, uh, in the game. But on the other hand, you know, that's also a, uh, um, a European theater thing, too. Right. If you have the, uh, you know. What do you always have at Stalingrad? Russian, you know, fanatics, right? The, the, they're defending the grain elevator to the death. And in the Pacific, that turns into, you know, Japanese bonsai tactics. You know, Russian human way versus Japanese bonsai. So they're, they're analogs in both theaters. And you sort of have to create a game that really pulls all the elements together and makes you feel like this is really about the Pacific. And, and while there are elements in this game, I don't think that they're tied together in any way for some structural reasons that may not be solvable. But that's that's kind of the problem with doing a Pacific game. Right, aren't you many of your, some of your criticisms to begin with in your um, discussion there? Pretty much a criticism of any war game that is a bunch of chain scenarios because it's not like I've got a, I've got a war game about the Civil War, and they were just chain scenarios. There was no reason the battle at Gettysburg was at Gettysburg. So the two armies ran into each other. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a strategic choice, so so it could have been anywhere. So having a Battle of Gettysburg in a chain scenario is equally as ludicrous as having one at at Palau. Right, but but the actual combat in the Pacific was itself inherently not as interesting. I don't think because, like I said, that's a different that's a different criticism altogether. Well, so it's not a criticism. But that but if you have it, if you chain a whole bunch of scenarios together that are interesting because they're gameplay because of the specific type of combat that takes place in that area, then then I'll forgive the the chaining of. I never really like chain scenarios. I mean, John Tiller does that with his. um, He has some Napoleonic things where you just play one scenario after another. I don't think it works very well, but I like the individual game, so I'm willing to forgive it. Here, I don't think that the gameplay is necessarily that interesting, so I'm not willing to forgive it. I mean, that's just me. I mean, I'm just this is my honest reaction to the game, and I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I can understand how, you know, trying to take elements like, you know, supply and 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 different effect. I mean, that those are, but those are all war game things that that. Uh, that everybody knows about and everybody uses, so I, I'm not willing to give them the credit just for for using them. I mean, in the, on the other hand, you know, something like um, you know Flashpoint uh, Flashpoint Germany, which uh, has um, 
has a lot of that similar stuff. It, it puts it together in a more interesting way rather than just dropping it on top of a, a Panzer General model. So, so that's... Well, and also, these aren't just changed scenarios. I mean, more so than ever Panzer General did, they are trying to tie them together and not just with the unit veterancy, with those things where you choose, I think they're called specializations, uh, with the secondary mm-hmm. objectives. Banzai and the Bushido, yeah. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. with the, the secondary objectives influencing missions afterwards. I mean, they're definitely trying to bring into the game... That strategic it is somewhat layer. dynamic. Um, somewhat dynamic. Well, it's about, I would say more dynamic than strategic. I mean, you're not planning the strategic choices. Do I want this enemy? To, how right. I'm not saying they're strategic just, 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 I'm just, just saying it. they're bringing things in from the strategic layer because they realize, you know, we have to do things like, like uh, for instance, um, if you don't take out a certain number of planes, then they're going to be. Uh, There's going to be air cover in the next scenario. Right, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're always trying to sort of set the context for right. these scenarios and why you have the secondary objectives that you yeah. do. It's the difference between Battle of Britain and Longbow Two. What's Longbow? Longbow to the well. There were no Apaches at, at the Battle of Britain, though. Is that is different? That, that was the difference between the Battle of Britain and uh, and Vietnam was that there were no Apaches. There were there were Cheyenne and Sioux, though. Well, I do want to. I mean, Troy's point though, where uh, Troy does have a point though, where th- this is a tactical. You know, mainly the stuff here is is more tactical level, and I think that's a fair point. Um, and when Bruce and I are talking about more strategic things, uh, that is a fair counter. But I think there are some specific tactical elements of the Pacific theater that aren't brought into play or that are, that are served poorly in this game with the Panzer General model. Um, and specifically, the one I want to bring up, which Bruce sort of alluded to earlier, um, I think this is a terrible way to model naval combat, um, mainly because if you're going to bring in air power, which you absolutely have to in the Pacific theater, um, this idea of planes coming in and chipping away at hit points for uh, for the ships just feels yeah. so ridiculous to me because that just, that's not what they were doing. They were trying to get a lucky hit through the deck. You know, it might hit the magazine and blow the ship up in one blow. You know, this the, the planes didn't just chip away at the health of battleships. Um, and the same with torpedoes, by the way. A torpedo wasn't great because it did more damage than a bomb. Yeah. Um, and that's hugely important to naval combat. Is that one lucky yeah. bomb? Can destroy a flagship. This is uh, this is something that bothered me as well. Is that for me? What bothered for me where it started to rankle was that uh, light ships could stand up in a fight versus heavy ships. Like that drove me a little crazy. Like, yeah, they're going to lose eventually, but when a couple destroyers run into a first class battleship. Those dest- that should be curtains for those destroyers. What they've done is they just sacrificed their lives to provide you a location, uh, and then they got killed. Here, and uh, maybe because they're trying to sort of take some of the vol- volatility out of that system, uh, or or maybe the the sort of Panzer General sy- derived system they're using here doesn't lend itself to the kind of volatility of naval combat. You end up with yeah, a dive bomber is going to orbit that uh, battleship for turn after turn doing one hit point of damage each time. Um, and somehow it, it, it has the fuel to do that. It doesn't have to return to the carrier. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think... It went, and that's why I had problems when it became a naval war game. Because I, I think it, 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 did, it, it was sort of ill-served by that. But I think it works better in scenarios when... The naval combat and the land combat are all sort of intertwined a little bit when you've got to sort of force a crossing against some naval opposition, right? Where you've got like cruiser can still be like, you know, taking pot shots at transports. That I think it ended up working a little better. Not that naval combat was a great representation of naval combat, but I think tactically that's when it became the most interesting. And the Panzer General games have always been, as far as a, a game engine, just fantastic at modeling any kind of combined arms warfare. You know, they do really cool little things with anti-tank guns versus artillery versus armor versus infantry. Um, so you can see them... Sort, sort of, I don't know. I, like, and, and this is, okay, see, this is where I... St- this is actually why I like this game so damn much. Is that I kind of feel like... Uh, I, I feel like you underestimate how how much those games discouraged experimentation and maneuver in a lot of ways. I think, well, Panzer General 2, I, I, I think, wasn't, wasn't so punishing. But uh, certainly, I, I, I think beyond that, and then when you, when you sort of see it resurrected in Panzer Corps, yes, they, they have a lot of systems in place to 
sort of representate re- represent uh, combined arms and the like. But then they're so incredibly picky about how you deploy and how you use those units that it's almost like everyone's got to go. It's like hitting your blocking, right? It's it, it's just it's, it's your first scenarios were just a rehearsal. Your next scenarios are absolutely like almost down to the hex, just putting everyone in their right position and then going, you know, in the correct order to make sure everything works correctly. Here, I feel like there's a lot more room for sort of improvisation on the fly. I haven't been replaying scenarios, uh, honestly. This is not a game where I felt like, oh man, I, I need to I need to start the scenario back over so I can I can do it right. This is a game where I'm I'm finding it is pretty rewarding just to sort of play it as it lays, uh, and that's not that's not a way I ever felt about Panzer General or certainly not Panzer Corps. That those were always games where halfway through it was like, you know, wah wah, here's how you really should have played the scenario, and that always kind of pissed me off. But here I don't find that's happening. Here I'm. I, I bring what I bring to the battle, and then I figure out a way to make it work. And there have been very, very few moments where I feel like I should just start over, bring different units with the points that I have to buy at the start of the scenario, and then go in this really specific order of positions and maneuvers uh, to, to succeed in the scenario. That's not how I feel this game works, and to me, that actually... Is a meaningful improvement over the Panzer General like lineage of games. I, I would act, I would wonder a couple things though when you say that. Like, I, I certainly haven't played all the the campaign missions, and I have to give Troy uh, props for playing the American campaign first because that's that's the harder one. Um, they clearly want you to play Japan first, but um, I actually asked about that, and they don't. They 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 thought that people would be defaulting to allies. Oh. Actually, because I, I asked, like, which one should I be playing first? Because uh, I was already halfway into the, the Japanese campaign. And uh, the guys from Slytherin were like, oh, we, we just figured everyone would start with American, because that's where the tutorial leaves off. Yeah, but you, got, you um, forgot your French new criticism, which is that uh, authorial intent is irrelevant. Well, of course. The tutorial just, um, like, the tutorial just ends, and then it puts you at the campaign screen, and the first one in front of you is the Japanese one. I thought that's the Japanese went, yeah. one was easier. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, though. Yeah. But, um... Uh, you know, you you talking about how you didn't have to replay the scenarios. The default difficulty, which I think is two out of five or something, um, is the second setting out of five difficulty settings. Yeah. Um, I suspect that's going to have a lot to do with whether or not you have to replay scenarios, and also how difficult the specific scenario is. Some obviously are harder than others, um, I, and I certainly haven't yeah. seen all of them. I mean, I so. To to those points, because um, I because I started the American campaign like max difficulty. Mm-hmm. Oh and, wow! Um, yeah, that it that can't have been yeah. easy. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't, and it was it was pretty great actually. Like the um the first sort of uh, fighting withdrawal, uh, you know, down the Philippines while you're while you're buying time for the uh, last stand at, at Bataan. Um, was a pretty great like white knuckle scenario. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun, but the, the I didn't really notice any meaningful differences in the difficulty, except that it seems like the AI just has meatier units. That's I mean, I'm uh, guessing at, that, at the higher yeah, end. Yeah, I'm guessing it's something like that. The manual is, says nothing about what the diff, the differences is. I think the manual says I even wrote this down because it was one of those inane non statements. The manual says something like the difficulty. Oh, affects strength of AI controlled players. Yeah. Not yeah. units, not not hit points or anything. Just uh, affects strength of the players. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, so that um, just means like you know, in in the default scenario, you'll run up against a unit of ten, and in the hardest difficulty level, suddenly the Japanese have thirteen strength units. Uh, so yeah, it's it's that's I didn't actually notice a huge difference because the way these games work, the way all Panzer General games work, right, is actually the the, the hit points matter as a as a function of like whittling them down. But it's really about how you engage them that controls you know what I mean? It's very easy to sort of chip someone down to cut them down to size very quickly uh, if you take the right position. So yeah, the the difficulty levels thing I think is a little bit of a bait and switch. Well that also gets to, you know, the the puzzle nature of, of these games and one reason that they end up bouncing off me. Um is there, there's the, the puzzle in the larger sense of solving each scenario. But then the moment-to-moment gameplay, uh, mainly because of the one unit per, per hex, uh, is often a puzzle for how do I fit you know, these two infantry up front and how do I get my stupid tank around to the side because, oh, now he's back behind these guys and I can't fit him in here. That's and, quality wargaming! Uh, it's quality wargaming, 
But here it is so abstract and ridiculous. Um, you know, the frontage is, a, is, a, is, an, is an important aspect of wargaming, absolutely. But not being able to bring my, my veteran unit up because I've got my, my artillery in the way. And to their credit, they do let you switch units. I think that was something they didn't – like you could switch the position between two uh, adjacent units, between their hexes. I think that was something they didn't do. A lot of Panzer General games don't do that. Um, but all that feels like a puzzle to me. Uh, and I don't feel like it's a puzzle because that's the way that war actually was. I feel like it's a puzzle because this is the way Panzer General is. This is the way we have – we're representing combined arms and these, these one-unit-per-tile hex mm-hmm. game stuff. Um, so that, that's another thing that I just have a problem with is I just feel like I'm solving the, the, the scenario designer's puzzle mm-hmm. so often. You see, I – that I that I just before I let you go, Bruce. That that is, I guess I've always been more bothered by sort of the macro level puzzle of the scenario itself. Right, right. And so I feel like this one gives me room to come up with not the solution, but a solution. And that's a key that that's a key difference I think between this and like a game like Panzer Corps. There's not one there's not one set of steps you have to go through to be the scenario. As for the sort of the micro puzzle. Of like, you know, you're trying to force a river crossing, right? And you've got, you know, there's maybe eight or nine hexes that are that comprise the battlefield and how you control the dance of units within that. That has never bothered me. I've never felt like, oh, that's that's just a puzzle. For me, that's like it's a it's a puzzle in the way like breaking a fortified position is is, is a puzzle. And that's that's never bothered me a, a, as much. Like I sort of give that a pass. Like I know it's I know it's not really how war works, but I've never viewed it as sort of a I've never felt sort of shackled by it uh, the way I do the puzzle-like macro scenario design. Well, I will Bruce, say, you're going to say. I, I just real quick want to address that. Yeah. One area where this is an issue, um, AIs are notoriously terrible at that, by the way. Uh, and I, I've seen that as an issue here, is the AI doing stupid things like putting its anti-tank guns against my infantry because it just isn't doing a good job fitting everything together. Um, but, but again, that's just part of the Panzer General gameplay. Um and you kind of have to accept that. Um. So uh, to, on that point, uh, which is what I'm going to mention, but I can, is I'll jump in on that, is that, yes, frontage is very important. And I see Tom's point where you know having individual units just seems weird. Like, oh, I have an infantry unit there, therefore I can't put this artillery there, right? Um, but I also see Rob's point in that, you know, th- that dance happens in a war game where you have stacking limits, right? It's just that if you have stacking limits that seem... Uh, you know, there's there's some verisimilitude to the stacking limits. So, you know, I can mix, you know, four units in there. Uh, I just can't put in five. It's it's much more, that's much easier to accept. I mean, the, in games like, you know, Decisive Battles Ardennes, which I think is a great game, you're still trying to figure out, okay, how can I get this whole Panzer Division, you know, against, you know, Bastogne, and then still have room to bring my artillery in here and have these guys, et cetera, et cetera. So I see both of those points, but from, from a, I, I'm surprised that, you know, given how far interface design has come and given how far um, sort of graphics have come and presentation and everything, you know, you, you know, 10 years ago, uh, Blizzard was, you know, showing us just how amazingly different a game can seem just from a different pre- level of presentation, that games like this are stuck in this, the way that they present the the, the data to me it just seems very scattered. You know, I have this unit and then I have all these, you know, there's some lightning bolts and there's whatever and all these numbers. And of, of, of all the things in this game where it, the, 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 I thought that the central hook of the Panzer General series was that you were supposed to get attached to your units, right? It was finally you were having a role-playing game for war gamers, right? You had these units and they got experience and they got better and you got attached to them. It was just like you got attached to, you know, Elf Rogue or whatever. And, I still, in in all the time from 1995 until now, I still do not get that there has been meaningful a meaningful advance in making me care about those units. They don't present things to me in any different way. Like I, I some guy died, and then I was going to rebuild it, and it said, you know, this is one of your core units. But I'm like, really? That was one of my core units. Ah, I just thought it was some joker with a machine gun. It, it's just it's completely bland. It's just like the, this, and I like vanilla, so I shouldn't say it's vanilla because that sounds good, but it's not. Which is that, you know, it's it's just this this sort of you know, 
bland distribution of units that kind of look like sort of pixelated little dudes with rifles and whatever. And I just would think that if, if you're going to hook somebody and you've already got gameplay that's pretty much sort of we've seen a million times, then the place to work on would be how you actually make people care about your, your characters, so to speak. And, and there's just none of that in this game. The, the, the aircraft, you could do that with pilots, right? How many planes have they shot down? How, how many ships have they sunk? But no. I would actually uh, agree with you more, Bruce, if I didn't – like I can see what they're doing, and it would normally work for me except for one important detail. I have no idea what experience does in this game. Um, it is not – Something yeah. that the numbers ever show me, and that's why I'm supposed to care about core units, is because they gain experience and they retain it over successive um, scenarios, um, and, and they gain it glacially. It's so slow. I know. I, I even was wondering, well, hasn't this guy been in a couple of battles? And you can click on their tabs and see well, what they've done. But no matter what you do, every time you reinforce a depleted unit, you reduce its experience somewhat. Now you can reduce it a lot if you bring in green troops, which is cheaper. Oh, on I thought you points. totally protected yourself from losing experience if you chose that more expensive reinforcement. No, no, no. I oh. think it, I think you just don't take as big a hit. I didn't realize that. But or... I think you still get a slight ding. Well, still, um, it's, I, regardless, I it, it does take forever, and and that's why you should care. But and I, this is another problem. It's one of the the aspects of the numbers that I don't understand. And one of the things I really like about Panzer General, for the most part, as a, as a model, um, is that the is the transparency. Um, is I like seeing all those numbers. I like, you know, figuring out. You know, Bruce mentioned the lightning bolts. So I like figuring out. Okay, what is this stat? When does this come into play? Um, I want to know this stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to care about my experienced units if I don't see the effect of experience. I agree with you completely, and that's that's the that's the the way that you could present the combat. Would I mean, of all the things that uh, you know were missed in the chance when with the um, uh, uh, conflict of heroes, uh, too bad Julian's not here, uh, was was made into a computer game. They at least showed you some things, right? It's like you have I have minus five from this and plus two from this, and the mm -hmm. range does this and this, and then here's my die roll and it's a six. Oh, if I just rolled a seven, it would have you know worked. And that's that's tremendously powerful, I think, in in terms of making you care about things because all of a sudden there's just a minus zero, minus one kind of floats up, and I feel I really feel like I'm in one of those you know MMOs where I'm just hitting something. And it's like oh I did another four points, oh I did another three points, oh his health bar is going down, oh he's dead, oh I got forty experience points, even and, and like. You said now, you, you don't even know how many experience points I got. But why is that presentation so bad? I, I do think it is um, just this this, this this idea that a lot of developers have that, you know, but that people are going to get scared away if there's a bunch of numbers. I mean, these guys are making a game for war gamers, so I don't know what they're worried about. Um, but I would like to see the, the, the formula. I would like to know what it means when a ship has an attack of you know 12 against a big ship. And the big ship has a defense of six. You know what happens to those numbers? How does it affect the ship's basic strength of ten? How does efficiency, by the way, uh, impact the numbers? Because that's a huge thing. Efficient, it's... you're you're less effective. Oh, good. Well, yeah. So <laughs> okay, now, see, now do go. some math around that, Garrick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Uh -huh. um, so that that's one of my problems is because the basic formula here. I'm I should love this game because I love the Pacific Theater. I love. Uh, you guys don't know any of this stuff, and, and you should because you're doing a, strat a strategy gaming podcast for Pete's sake. But SRPGs, I love those things. Um, although you did do the episode on Valkyria Chronicles, so props for that. What's SRPG? Um, oh, SRPG strategy is... Role, strategy role-playing game. Yeah, and it, they're, they're, it's, a, it's a sort of a, a genre that's popular in, in a lot of Japanese games. I thought that's uh, called JRPG. Well, no, no, those, oh, don't... No, JRPGs... Those are different. Yeah, those are, those are regular RPGs where you're doing conversation trees and stuff like that. But SRPGs, and, and I believe Panzer General was actually originally developed as a Japanese game, right? Um, it's a Japanese genre where you have a core group of, of units. Generally, they're dudes in these SRPGs. And they fight chained battles, and their experience carries over. Um, it's basically Panzer General, but in a fantasy setting. Um and the core of the gameplay, I don't know why they're called SRPGs, because the core of the gameplay is these tactical battles that you have. Um, and you get attached to the units. You know, you're supposed to care about the core units. Um, 
but a good SRPG will reveal its math, isn't afraid to show you the numbers. And I, I wish there was more. There were more of these numbers in, in uh, uh, Order of Battle Pacific. Except that the SRPGs, which I'm not familiar with, is 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 XCOM an SRPG? Uh, XCOM is actually very much influenced by SRPGs, and yeah, if you like XCOM, you should like games like Disgaea or Fire Emblem or Tactics Ogre. All those things should appeal to you as well. Yeah, it's funny because the reason I the reason I started by asking you guys like what, whether you thought this brought anything out about the Pacific Theater is actually because. At first glance, I was sort of surprised that it worked at all because I didn't see how a game like this would really work in the Pacific Theater, and uh, I, I would still argue it does. But my my question itself was actually sort of a sort of a sort of a bait there because I don't th- I think the reason I like this game is because I don't think they did I think in the end they didn't make a game that felt. That was too beholden to the realities of the Pacific Theater. I think that there are a lot of scenarios where where. By the framing of it, they have set it up so that it plays out a little more like a traditional uh, Panzer General, like Blitzkrieg style game. But that actually was 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 pretty uh, pretty effective for me. Uh, I feel like this this game did a pretty good uh, did a pretty good job of deciding what it did and didn't want to include about the Pacific Theater. I think it was a case of like, um, you know, it, like Pacific Theater flavor. On an entirely different dish. It's like ramen noodles, Pacific sense. Theater. It's it, just the yeah, same it, noodles, but you just sprinkle some ramen Pacific flavor on it. That's uh, maybe not the metaphor I would have chosen, but okay, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go with it. Yeah. So what? So what you're saying is a trick because you were saying that you're actually saying you don't really like the Pacific Theater, and so therefore the fact that this wasn't too Pacific Theater is really good no, for you. I think I think the Pacific Theater makes for a lot of crappy wargaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there because I, uh, I think there are things about the theater, like you mentioned, that are just poison to to a good war game in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, there there are so few games where like managing landing operations is anywhere near as exciting as amphibious operations actually like they seem exciting but like commanding them in a war game is often just excruciating it's just it's just nightmares just, okay just get on just get on the damn transport just go over it's, it's just all these annoying little steps uh and then just the sort of this annoying like just forced landing you just spam units onto the shore Watch them get mowed down. And I think this game, like, it gives you tastes of that, but it doesn't become a game that's entirely obsessed about things like, okay, make sure make sure you've got enough supply here. Um, you know, build, just build up your stockpiles on this island. Uh, you know, here, like, every, like spend, spend turn after turn getting your landing fleet in order and then just push everything toward this coastline. It, I, I think it does a good job of giving you the occasional, like, you have the moments where you have to worry about like okay I've got to, I've got to secure my water passage to the, to the next objective like this next landing has to be guarded or oh man this beachhead is we 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 haven't broken out yet and I cannot supply more troops in that pocket uh, so that that beachhead is pretty much dead it gives you moments where you're dealing with with problems like that but it doesn't go it it it, it doesn't get bogged down by them which I think was a, a wise decision for making a war game like this. But yet it's still doing Guadalcanal. I mean, I mean, how can you do Guadalcanal without that supply model that you're talking about? Um, I mean, what you call bogged down, I call is the essential of the Pacific theater. Um, but by and, and by the way, I actually do, as far as being um, having that that Pacific flavoring that, that Bruce mentioned on the ramen noodles. Um, I love the graphics and the sound is great. Uh, you know, I like their little briefing stuff that they've done. Um, the presentation. Of this oh, don't is really patronize good. me with your faint praise, Tom. No, no, it's not. <laughs> well, here's the thing: if I'm going to play a Panzer General clone, this would be one of the ones I would pick. You know, I, I, I if, if I, if I want, well, it to sounds do that, to me like you're actually kind of over the entire formula. Yeah, 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 very much so. Yeah, very like, much cause, so. Like, because because when you're saying things like I, I just can't stand the puzzle, like you know the 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 frontage and the way the way that stuff's handled, that to me just says like I'm I'm just like. It it was a great system. It was a lot of fun. I've been to that dance a few times. I'm done with it. Well, it really is to me. It, it's a, it's an SRPG. Like if I'm going to play mm-hmm. an SRPG, I would just play one of the great Disgaea games, for instance. Um, and and that the flavoring on that stuff I can't stand with the little kids with the big eyes and whatever. I mean, all that stuff is ridiculous. But you know, I'm not in the game so much for the flavor as is the game is the game design and the mechanics of it. 
and there's no mechanics here that really say Pacific Theater to me. All that says Pacific Theater is the cute little airplane blank graphics and the unit names and the ship names and stuff. Um, so yeah, if I'm going to play a sort of a puzzle-based tactical chain of scenarios, uh, I would not pick. I, there are so many other options uh, mm-hmm. that I don't. I don't think I would pick this. I think I am over this basic gameplay. Well, I think there's a big, there's a large audience that is will never ever in a million years pick up a game where the little kids are flying the blimps, right? So you have to have some you have to have a military um i mean it's just all the people on you know grog heads or whatever right and and that's fine it's it's just that's that that's where this is going to be right you you're willing to 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 fly the blimp and these people are not willing to fly the blimp so um (laughs) i just feel like you know who's going to fly the blimp but um there is by the way a warhammer themed panzer general you guys know about warhammer 40k armageddon yeah yeah uh oh yeah oh yeah yeah, no, Warhammer's great. So, so you could be doing um, Space Marines and Space Orcs instead. Uh, I'm going to be doing it soon. Little kids what if, what if we did high schoolers in the 40K universe? Do they like, have high what, school what if in it the was 40K like, universe? I think there are some in like the 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 hive complexes. I don't know, but yeah. I, I think I think there shouldn't be anything stopping you from having like high schoolers who are like you know trying to f- figure out these crazy adolescent emotions they're feeling, but then also kill the chaos hordes. Sounds oh, to me God. like you're designing a Warhammer-themed JRPG. No, because they could die. Because they could totally die. Okay, well... well you, know, you know that in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only Hello Kitty. <laughs> All right, Troy. Yes. Do you think these guys are full of crap? No, their criticisms are certainly valid and legitimate. I agree with some of them. I, I mean, I'm kind of tired of the Panzer General formula as well, but I think that... Maybe I was just happy to, be, to see somebody doing something with it, to add on things that, I mean, yeah, Bruce is right. Supply, it should be there. Having it all, you don't get a special cookie for being nice and making a good war game. Fine, I'll accept that. Um, I do like, um, I guess I'm kind of like you, Rob. I just played through the scenarios and I didn't, you know, go back and try to solve the puzzle again. And while I was playing them, it felt like it was the whole meta puzzle thing. It was, a, you know what, which of these paths will I take to... How many turns do I have to get out of wherever in the Philippines? What can I do to supply myself? What should I buy right now? And there was never any right option or obvious option. I ended up, you know, barely getting out of the skin of my teeth. And I like, I think the scenario design does work well for one of these chained, uh, dyna- pseudo-dynamic uh, campaign-type games. Yeah, a, a, a better SRPG, Tom was right. We need better SRPGs uh, for, you know, stuff that isn't, Valkyria Chronicles or Follow Tactics for people like people like the Grog Headers. But I think that the naval battles aside, which we can all agree are crap, because naval battles are going to be crap, because they're not easy to make interesting unless you do have the cat and mouse stuff uh, for the Pacific Theater. But I think the land scenarios do work well for simple land scenarios. I think as an improvement on the Panzer General formula, this is a first-class improvement. I don't like the graphics as much uh, as Tom does. I think that the presentation issues that Bruce mentions even go down to some of the art. Uh, but I, get, I, I did like the, uh, the hey, you screwed up these, you didn't get all the secondary... Uh, objectives so you're facing a new challenge um some of them some of the secondary objectives were pretty damn hard like in the u.s pearl harbor one take your general to every single airport well, well that's, that's, that scenario is a shit show though like and, and th- this was something else like both campaigns open with pearl harbor and this is a this is i think a case of it, it, there there are some scenarios i think where it just feels like they felt like they had hit certain beats yeah they, they had to have pearl harbor but it's a it's a bad scenario and it's pretty you know there's, the Japanese are going to screw up one of their objectives, and the Americans aren't going to meet all of their objectives. It's just the way it's set up. Um, if, if anybody who has played this game has gotten their American general to every single goddamn airport uh, in those you know, 15 turns, like maybe there's a rocket pack I forgot to find uh, hidden behind a crate yeah. somewhere at one of the airports. It's, yeah, it's trash. I will buy you a Steam game of your choice if you can find give me proof of you doing that uh, in the next you know, three days after this podcast goes up because I can't, cannot be done. Uh, I, I liked the scenario design. I liked the island moving if it wasn't island hopping. Um, I think seeing this as a strategic game is, you know, 
there are certain. I mean, we're doing Hearts of Iron Four at Paradox, and we're not going to have. We're not going to have the tactical problems of Guadalcanal. We're going to have the strategic problems of Guadalcanal, or not Guadalcanal at all. So it's a very, very different game, and it's War in the Pacific, which is you know, I'm I'm with Bruce. I think it's unplayable. <laughs> I just cannot get into it. I, and I I. I agree with a lot of what Tom and Bruce have said. They're smart guys, and they know their crap, and um, they've, I'm reconsidering some okay. things. But I, I did like this game, I and so did to, you. I wanted to ask you, because uh, mm-hmm. why, why are you not done with, the, with this kind of game? Because, like, okay, for me... I, 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 kind, of, I, th- I kind of thought I was. Okay. I, th- I mean, I, I don't like Panzer Corps. We were here to show him here. I did not like it. Um, and I was going to get rid of... I was not going to play this at all until you told me to play it. Yeah. Uh, so it's your fault. Um, I, so I guess I ended up like either something about the old formula because I haven't played it in so long clicked with me. It reminded me why this can be done well or can be done better, or there is something or just something about this worked for me this time. But no, I was pretty. I was with Tom. I think this is a. I thought this was a trident, a trite and pointless and outdated and archaic model for war games, but. For some reason, this one worked for me. Yeah, I mean, you should, and, and you, all that stuff you said before, Troy. I mean, you shouldn't be apologizing for liking the game. I mean, you like the game. Oh no, just, no, I'm not, I'm, yeah. no, I'm not apologizing. Yeah. For it. I'm, I'm sort of explaining it. Yeah. I'm explaining. I mean, I, I, I liked a lot of this worked for me. Um, it's uh, despite agreeing with a lot of what Tom and Bruce are saying, my basic reaction to it was not, well, why are we doing this again? It is, you know, this is actually better. Maybe a lot of it is this is better than I thought. Mm-hmm. And that's a very powerful feeling when you're playing yes. a game. Holy crap, this isn't crap. You liked it because it's I don't fun. Think... Eh. I liked it because it because there were challenges I was not expecting. Because I was enjoying the scenarios in the moment. And I think I think the Philippine scenarios were actually really, really good. Yeah. Both of them. For yeah. the American side. Uh, I haven't played the Japanese side of them. But the American side, the, both the Philippine scenarios, the fighting retreats, something we don't see a lot of. Uh, in war game scenarios, in general, uh, the and fighting the system has always side. been pretty allergic to. Uh, yeah, this has always the, been a you're the active attacker type yeah, system because uh, generally the AI is not aggressive. Here, the AI is very aggressive, stupidly aggressive, moronically aggressive, and it can't count the number of turns. This is a problem for AIs all over the place. Uh, but I really like those fighting retreat scenarios, and I they just they just touched a part of me. Yeah. See, for me, I think part of it is uh, I, I'm still dealing with the the hangover from Panzer Corps, which is a game that I really, really liked until I really, really didn't. Um, and I think for me, I, I, there was very much a, a similar sort of this is a formula. I guess I'm not entirely over, but I, I also may never be in a place where I'm like seeing this done well will not work for me. Like this is this is such a this is such a you know good good type of war game for me like it's it's i like the pacing i like the 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 way the scenarios chain together that this is something that like whenever it's whenever it's executed like this where i get sort of the strengths of the panzer general system which is like you know great pace of play uh Mm -hmm. lots of lots of simplicity uh but then i have some of the freedom that that system sort of denied me traditionally yeah then suddenly it's like everything I liked about Panzer General, but without any of the bad stuff. And to me, that's always a win. And so I'm, you know, I'm playing this and I'm, you know, just like, you know, cutting through these scenarios, winning some secondary objectives, some not. That is going, like, that's probably going to be something I always show up for. Um, and so, like, seeing it here, uh, I just, I, I really enjoyed this this twist on it. I really enjoyed seeing things like, uh, you know, having to really worry about stuff like unit efficiency, you know, as as units moving through broken ground uh, just become less effective. Now, I do agree with Tom. There's a whole lot of things where it's like, yeah, trust us, this this is totally happening. You know, like when a unit's out of supply, like, the, you, the game, like you will see the unit performs worse in combat. You won't know entirely why. You won't entirely know what what math just happened to make that cutoff tank unit just completely implode. Uh, but I do like that there are nods to stuff like this. I like that there are nods to the limits of a beachhead's ability to support troops. So you can't just keep feeding more troops in. Uh, yeah. I, I like all that stuff. So it's a, a split decision. This is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's. I kind of started to suspect it when when Bruce said, "Let's bring Tom on." 
<laughs> when, when Bruce gets really eager about getting Tom on the show, uh, like I, I just I, you know, it's it, it's sort it's sort of like you know being in the first wave, uh, you know, landing on a Japanese held island. You know, the shots haven't started yet, but it's when that second wave comes through and everyone's sitting there in the beachhead. That's when it's all going to go wrong. I don't know what you guys are talking about. You guys said you wanted to bring somebody in, and I'll always suggest Tom before I suggest anybody else. So what are you going to do? Hmm. I, I don't think this Tom bonsaiing out of his island in the 1970s. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. There should be a movie about <laughs> that. That would really be good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So it does. It does look like a split decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am. I. I still like games like this, and uh, Tom and Bruce. Uh, you know, just have the husks of hearts left. Yeah. No. I, I'd, Yay husks! I'd rather play a Hello Kitty themed game. <laughs> we, right. we can do that. We can arrange that. Okay. Uh, anyway, that concludes our discussion of Order of Battle Pacific. Uh, it's available right now on Steam and the Slytherin <laughs> store for $40. As always, you can discuss this episode with us on the Idle Thumbs forums. Uh, you can also listen to other great Idle Thumbs shows from the Idle Thumbs network. Uh, the Idle Thumbs network also sells ads and on-air mentions. If you'd like to buy a short personal ad on this show or on another Idle Thumbs network show like Terminal 7 or Dota Today or Twin Peaks Rewatch, uh, you can do that at the Idle Thumbs store at store.idlethumbs.net. Our thanks to Michael Hermes for producing this episode, and we'll be back next week. Until then, this has been Three Moves Ahead. Good night. Good night, all. Meow. <laughs> so fucking weird.